serious about this. I'm not picking. I want you to put Brother Ernie on your prayer list, and I want you to pray for him that God would bless him and protect him and help him not to lose his temper. Amen. That's right. Uh, and then after you get done, get done praying for Brother Ernie, I want you to pray for your preacher that God would sustain him and help him to keep from losing his temper. All right? And uh, we, uh, listen, God, God's working. We, uh, but, boy, I'll tell you what, man, if the devil just is fighting, uh, I guess it's the devil fighting, or maybe we're fighting the devil. Maybe that's what it is. And, uh, uh, but I didn't know until we started all this process. I didn't really know that the devil's headquarters was in Iowa County. I didn't know that. And uh, I knew he said he's walking up and down in the earth, but I didn't, I didn't realize that he finally stopped in Iredell County. And uh, anyway, uh, I know Brother Ernie has just, wow, he's just been working so hard on some things. And then I know personally, uh, we, uh, I, yesterday I sent uh, Timothy and Hannah over to the zoning building to uh, get a permit for us. And uh, they came back. I wish you could have been there. They came back so flustered. I mean, just they were like, Dad. That's what this, uh, this is really how the conversation went. Dad, that is ridiculous. That's, that's how it went. And so I said, don't worry about it, no problem. They came back without it. And I said, don't worry about it, no problem. I'll go over there tomorrow. I'll go over there tomorrow. And so I went over there personally today, and I came back saying, that is ridiculous. And, uh, uh, and so uh, needless to say, I came home unsuccessful as well. And, uh, uh, but anyway, it is moving. It is moving. And uh, they, uh, they delivered our silt fence today, and so we've got the... Uh, uh, the or is that sediment fence, Brother Ernie? That's a sediment fence. I'm sorry, I got that wrong. We, we uh, uh, kept saying we were going to put a catch basin in, and they let us know real fast that that is not a catch basin. And, uh, and so we said, well, excuse us. You know, cut our legs off and call us shorty. Amen. And uh, uh, that is a sediment basin is what that is. And so make, make sure you get your, and get your words right. And so we got our sediment fencing in today. And so... Anyway, but it got delivered, and, and uh, appreciate Brother Ernie going up there and, and unloading all that today. So it's moving. It's moving. It's, uh, uh, sometimes it seems like it's moving just a little, a little slow, but it is moving. And so uh, I am serious about this part. Please pray uh, that God would uh, continue to work and that God would give us uh, you know, his favor and that kind of thing. But forget all that just for a little bit because we want to get in the Word for a few minutes tonight. And so First uh, Kings chapter 19 in your Bibles, and we want, to, we want to carry on what we talked about last Wednesday night, but I'm going to be honest with you, we'll not talk about a more important subject than what we'll talk about tonight. And so why don't we give you one last chance to stretch your legs, First Kings chapter 19, uh, and we're just going to read, just because I, uh, we've been using First Kings 19 now as our headquarters, and we've been in it many times, and we're going to go some other places tonight, but I do want to read the first four verses just to get some context here, we're using Elijah uh, and uh, how Elijah sort of got burned out uh, on his, uh, uh, his prophetic career, if you will, and serving the Lord. In verse number one, the Bible says, And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and with all how he had slain all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger unto Elijah, saying, So let the gods do to me, and more also, if I make not thy life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. And when he saw that, he arose and went for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongeth to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a juniper tree. And he requested for himself that he might die and said, It is enough now, O Lord, 
Take away my life, for I am not better than my fathers. And we've been really uh, dissecting that chapter out for a little bit, but we're going we're gonna to venture away from that just a little bit tonight. And so you may be seated, but I want to carry on with that subject of battling Christian burnout. And specifically tonight, uh, as we did last week tonight, I want to talk to you about how to keep the fire burning, how to keep the fire burning. We took several weeks, and we talked about some things that, if you're not careful, some things that will quench your fire as a child of God. They'll make your fire go out. But now I want to I, I change gears, and we're talking about keeping the fire burning. Uh, it's so important. And so let's have a word of prayer tonight, and we'll jump right into the Bible study, and I hope it'll be a blessing uh, tonight. So, Father, we love you, and thank you for uh, Calvary, and thank you for allowing us to be back at church again tonight. Lord, again, thank you for Pastor Emmanuel and his, his burden and his vision uh, for Ghana and the people there, and Lord, reaching them with the gospel and planting these churches. And, uh, and Lord, clearly the message that I got, uh, Lord, from what he said tonight was uh, there's too much work and not enough laborers, and there's uh, too much work to do, and he's not able to stretch himself, Lord, that, uh, that far. And so, Lord, I pray that you'd send laborers into the harvest there. And God, I pray that you do a great work in Ghana. And God, I pray that you'd bless every church plant. I pray that you'd bless the conference. I pray that you'd bless the school. I pray, God, that you'd bless them as they try to, Lord, as they try to build these churches. And, and Lord, get these Christians out from underneath the trees and off of the rocks and at least get them in a place that is out of the sun and out of the weather, God, where they could worship. And, and so, Heavenly Father, I pray that, Lord, if it might be in your will, that you'll give him the very desires of his heart. Uh, Lord, he needs, a, he needs a truck, uh, Lord, to travel and, and uh, uh, Lord, to be able to reach these people. Uh, that's a valid request. And, God, I pray that, Lord, that you'd meet every need that he may have. And then, Lord, I pray that you'll show us as a church, Father, what we should do and how we should help. And I pray that maybe God will be able to make an investment into that ministry and and uh, Lord, do do a work there, please. And then, Heavenly Father, uh, Lord, it's Wednesday night. God, we need the word tonight. And uh, Lord, just as sure as I'm speaking here tonight, it's been a long week for somebody, and they've been fighting the devil. And uh, Lord, they've come in here tonight, spiritually speaking, a little weary. And so, Lord, I pray that you'll challenge us from the word now, and I pray that Christ will receive glory and praise from all that's done. I pray for the power of the Holy Spirit now. Oh, how I need that. And so, Lord, help us, please. Direct us in your word. We love you and praise you. In Jesus' name, we pray, and for his sake, and all God's people said, amen. Well, we said this is important, that we never let the fire go out as uh, a Christian. And uh, let me just, I'm going to put just a few things on the screen tonight, just so maybe these things will stay in, uh, in your memory. We said this, we said to keep the fire burning, you must keep the fire supplied. Uh, and you got to keep something on it. It's unrealistic to think that the fire's going to burn if there's nothing to burn. Uh, and so uh, these are, you know, just elementary things. But to keep the fire burning, you must keep the fire supplied. And we began last Wednesday night to give you some things uh, that will keep that fire burning. And this was about as far as we got. We said that uh, to keep the fire burning, that you need to supply the Word of God. 
and uh, Jeremiah chapter 20, verse number 9. Then I said, I will not make mention of him nor speak any more in his name, but his word was in my heart as a burning fire shut up in my bones, and I was weary with forbearing, and I could not stay. And one of the things that we brought out last Wednesday night was this, that it's important that we meditate in the word of God. Not that you just read the word of God, but that you meditate in the word of God. It's important that you get in the Bible, but it's also important that the Bible get in you. Uh, and so it's very important that, you know what, that, that, uh, that quantity's good. Man, quantity's good. If you read, you know, 10 or 12 or 15 chapters, then that's wonderful. But uh, quality is also good. And it's very important that you get some quality reading in. Uh, and you read the Word of God until the Word of God uh, speaks to your heart. And so the Word of God is a very important uh, part of keeping that fire burning. But tonight, I'm excited about tonight. Not only the Word of God, not only should we uh, keep the Word of God on there to keep that fire burning, but number two is the Spirit of God. Uh, the Spirit of God is very, very important. Now think about it like this tonight, church. Think about it like this. Fire must have fuel in order to burn. It must have. That's just common sense. Uh, wood or kindling or paper or chemical or something. But for a fire to burn, it is, it is imperative that you have fuel on the fire if the fire is going to keep burning. But, 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 uh, absolute, absolute necessity for fire to burn is this. A fire must have air. It must have air. And uh, it's interesting that in the Word of God, in your Bible that you have tonight, the Spirit of God is likened unto that very thing. He's likened unto air or wind, if you will. And I want to show you just a few places tonight. We may not have time to go to, to, go to all these, but I want to show you just a few of those types tonight. Take your Bibles, if you will, and turn to the book of Ezekiel, Ezekiel chapter 37. Ezekiel chapter 37. And this is one of the most, one of the most, uh, entertaining stories that you'll ever read probably in your Bible. Uh, we call it the Valley of the Dry Bones. And uh, Ezekiel chapter 37, God gives uh, Ezekiel a vision here. And notice what happens in the story, Ezekiel 37 and verse number one. And the Bible says, The hand of the Lord was upon me and carried me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley which was full of bones and caused me to pass by them round about and behold, there were, there were very many in the open valley, and lo, they were very dry. And so here's this valley of dry bones, skeletons. Verse 3, And he said unto me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, thou knowest. Again he said unto me, Prophesy upon these bones, and say unto them, O ye dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord God unto these bones, Behold, I will cause breath, to enter into you, and, and you shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you and will bring up flesh upon you and cover you with skin and put uh, breath in you, and ye shall live. By the way, twice it said that. And ye shall know that I am the Lord. Verse 7, so I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I prophesied there was a noise, and behold, a shaking. And the bones came together, bone to his bone. And when I beheld low sinews and the flesh came upon them and the skin covered them above, but there was no breath in them. Then said he unto me, prophesy unto the wind. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the wind, thus saith the Lord God, come from the four winds. Look what he says, O breath, and breathe upon these slain 
that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood upon their feet, an exceeding great army. And I believe we see here in Ezekiel chapter 37, I believe we see a type of the Spirit of God. And the Bible likens that type to breath or to wind. Uh, turn over to the Gospel of John tonight, if you will. John chapter 3 in your Bibles. John chapter 3. And look, if you will, at verse number 7 tonight. John chapter 3. And we're going to turn to several places this evening. Just, again, good for us to get in our Bibles a little bit. John chapter 3. And look, if you will, at verse number 7. Notice what our Lord says in verse number 7. He said, marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. Then he said in verse 8, the wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh or whither it goeth. So is every one that is born of the Spirit. And so again, the Bible likens the Holy Spirit to air. It likens the Spirit of God to wind. Uh, turn over to John chapter 20. John chapter 20. And look, if you will, at verse number 21 tonight. John chapter 20. And look at verse number 21. The Bible says, Then said Jesus to them again, Peace be unto you, as my Father hath sent me, even so, even so, I, uh, even so send I you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and saith unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. And here again, we see that type there, that uh, wind and air. It's a type, uh, an analogy of the Spirit of God. Let me show you one other place. Look at Acts chapter 2 tonight. Acts chapter 2 in your Bibles. Just a few pages over there. Acts chapter 2, and look at verse number 2. And uh, the Bible says this. Acts 2 verse 2, And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And so wind or air is a type of the Spirit of God. And I thought about this. You know what? Wind is really a great type of the Holy Spirit. And I'll tell you why. Because wind is invisible. Did you know you can't see wind? You say, yeah, preacher, you can see wind. No, you can't see wind. You don't know where it's coming from. You don't know where it's going. The Bible says that in John chapter 3. You're not sure when it's going to blow. You don't know which direction it's going to blow. You don't know where it's going to leave. I mean, you, you can't see wind. Now, uh, wind is invisible, but you can tell when the wind is blowing. You can, uh, wind is invisible, but wind is detectable, and you can see wind at work. And I, and I wrote this down. The heavier the wind, the stronger the fire. Do you know that? Man, right now, if you don't believe it right now, watch the news out in California. About an hour, about an hour from uh, where Brother Zach and Miss Amber are. Having, they, they are in serious, serious shape uh, out in California. And those wildfires are burning right now. And, uh, and uh, I think I saw today over 2,000 structures have been burned down. And 17 people have lost their lives. And those firemen are desperately trying to, uh, trying to get ahead of, the, uh, ahead of the fire. And you know one of the main things that they're fighting out there? Not only the dryness, it's terribly dry. It got really, really hot this summer. Brother Zach said it was 116 degrees out there. Uh, and it got really, really hot. 
uh, and things are really dry, but that's not, that's not the worst thing right now. The worst thing that the firemen are dealing with is the wind. And as long as that wind is blowing, man, they're having a tough time getting ahead of that storm. Uh, the heavier the wind, the stronger the fire. And as a Christian, listen, if you want a fire that's not gonna burn out, you need that wind, amen. You need that air. You need that, you need that oxygen. Uh, in other words, you and I need the Spirit of God working in our life, the Holy Spirit. Now, you say, preacher, don't, don't be talking about that. We're Baptists. Let me tell you something, buddy. Baptist people were talking about the Holy Spirit a long, long time before they ever thought about having a charismatic, all right? And so the Spirit of God and the Holy Ghost, which by the way, the Bible uses the word Holy Ghost more than it uses the word Holy Spirit, uh, but it is, a, it is a, a, a direct Bible teaching. It is a Bible doctrine, and it is a Bible doctrine that Baptists should not shy away from. The Spirit of God is a very real person and, uh, and something that every child of God ought to know something about. And if you're going to have a fire that never goes out, it's important that you have the Spirit of God working in your life. Now, I want to give you just, this is going to be really teachy tonight, but I want to give you several things about the Holy Spirit, all right? Several things that we ought to know, I believe, about the Holy Spirit. And that when I get to the last one, and I'm not going to tell you how many I got because you get worried, um, but, uh, but they're all short. They're all short, and I want to work my way to the last one because the last one's the main one that I want to talk to you about. But number one is this. The Holy Spirit has always existed. He's always existed. Uh, someone says, preacher, when did the Holy Spirit, you know, when did the Holy Spirit, you know, when was he created? Well, the Spirit of God has always been. He is a very real person. Some say the third person of the Godhead, uh, but all those are co-equal. You know what? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost. And, uh, but he is a person of the Godhead, a very real person of the Godhead. And I know that maybe we, we become more knowledgeable about the Holy Spirit, you know, when Pentecost comes in the book of Acts. But the truth of the matter is the Spirit of God has always existed. Now I want to show, I want to show you a couple, a couple few places tonight. And so take your Bibles and turn back to the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 1, all the way back to the very, very first chapter of your Bible. Genesis chapter 1 and look at verse number 2. And I want you to see that the Holy Spirit was at work when the world was created. And so all the way at the beginning, Genesis chapter 1, verse number 2, the Bible says, And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of of the waters, and so the Holy Spirit was from the very beginning. I mean, he listen. The Holy Spirit's God, and God is the Holy Spirit. Uh, and so we find that He was uh, was there when the world was created. How about this? The Holy Spirit was at work when man was created. Now look at Genesis chapter one and verse number twenty-five. Genesis chapter one and verse number twenty-five. The Bible says, "And God made the beasts of the earth after His kind, and cattle after their kind, and everything that creepeth upon the earth after His kind." And God saw that it was good. Now, look at verse 26. The Bible says, And God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness. I had a guy one, one day ask me at the gym, and he said, uh, he found out as a preacher, and he said, Hey, preacher, he said, I got a question. He said, Back there in the book of Genesis, when God is speaking, and God said, Let us make man in our image, he said, Who was he talking to? 
I said, well, he was talking to the Holy Spirit. He was talking to Jesus. And uh, did you know that Jesus didn't just come uh, in Bethlehem? Jesus has always been. He's always been. The Spirit of God has always been. And so God is, of course, speaking to the Godhead. Let us make man in our image and after our likeness. How about this? The Holy Spirit was that which brought man to life. Look at Genesis chapter 2 and look at verse number 7 tonight. Genesis chapter 2 and verse number 7. Again, this may not may or may not change your life, but it's things that we need to know. Genesis chapter 2 and verse number 7. The Bible says, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground, watch now, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living soul. That word breath, there's the word wind. Look it up. It means spirit. Uh, man was not alive until the Spirit was breathed into him. And so we find here, first of all, that the Spirit of God uh, has always existed. How about this? This is just an interesting note. Uh, in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit came upon the righteous. Now, I probably don't have time to take you all these places, but let's at least look at a few, all right? So turn over to the book of Judges. Judges chapter 6, and someone may say, Preacher, why is that even important? Well, when we come to the third point, you'll know why that second point is so important, all right? And so Judges chapter 6, and look at verse number 34 tonight. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit came upon the righteous. Uh, Judges chapter 6 and verse number 34, the Bible says, But the Spirit of God came upon Gideon. And he blew a trumpet, and Abiezer was gathered after him. Turn over a few pages. Look at Judges chapter 11. Judges chapter 11. And look at verse number 29. The Bible says, Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jephthah, and he passed over Gilead. All right? Turn over just a few more pages. Look at Judges chapter 14. Judges chapter 14. And look at verse number five. Now, you know this guy. You may not be as much aware about Jephthah and Gideon, but you know this guy's name's Samson, uh, one of the strongest men, if not the strongest man that ever lived. Judges chapter 14 and verse number five. Now, what made Samson so strong, all right? Well, look at verse five. The Bible says, Then went Samson down and his father and his mother to Timnath and came to the vineyards of Timnath, and behold, a young lion roared against him. Now, I want you to read the first part of verse number six with me. Ready? And the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him. Let's read that one more time. And the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him. And the Bible says he rent him as he would have rent a kid. In other words, brother, he tore that line from limb to limb. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't believe that Samson looked like Charles Atlas. I don't believe that Samson looked like a bodybuilder. I don't believe he walked, I don't believe that Samson walked down the road, you know, and his biceps were just bulging and triceps and, and all those things. I don't believe that Samson, when you saw Samson, you probably didn't say, wow. I bet that guy's strong. I don't believe it was like that at all. I believe that now Samson may have been a big guy, but I believe that Samson probably looked like uh, just uh, like a common man. But when the Spirit of God came upon Samson and when the Spirit of God came upon Jephthah and when the Spirit of God came upon Gideon, those men were able to do things that they normally could not do. Now, what made the difference? The wind made the difference. The Spirit of God made the difference. 
And so in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit came upon the righteous. Now, this is why this is important because of the third point. In the New Testament, the Holy Spirit indwells the righteous. Now, that's different. That's not the same. That's different. In the New Testament, the Holy Spirit indwells the righteous. When Jesus died and ascended back to heaven, he sent his spirit into the world, and get this now, to take residence up in the believer. Now, let's look at it tonight, all right, because this, this is things that we need to know. Uh, Judge, I'm sorry, John, John chapter 16. John chapter 16, and we're, we're, we're learning some things, but we're headed, we're headed to a specific spot tonight, all right? So stay with me. John chapter 16, and I want you to look at verse number seven. And again, these are the words of our Lord. And notice what he says here in Judges 16, verse seven. Jesus said, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. He said, it is, it is expedient for you that I go away. He said, for if I go not away, the comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. By the way, talking about the Spirit of God there. He's talking about the Holy Ghost. Now, when we accept Christ, according to our Bibles, when we accept Christ, his Holy Spirit comes to live inside of us. Now, again, I want you to see it because I think your eyes ought to see the verses. Look, if you will, at 1 Corinthians chapter 6 tonight. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. And look at verse number 19 with me this evening, if you will. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse number 19. Now, these are the kind of questions that, that co-workers are going to ask. and These are the kind of things that come up in the break room. And so, you know what? We need to know what we believe about these things. Uh, and so somebody says, Preacher, where do we get that about the Spirit of God and being inside of us and living inside of us? Uh, is that something that somebody just made up? No, man, that's Bible doctrine. Uh, and so 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse number 19. The Bible says what? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, watch now, which is what? Which is, what is it? Which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own, for you are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Did you know there's never a place, if you're here tonight and you're born again, did you know there's never a place that you go where you leave God, uh, where you leave God at the house? Did you know that? That's why we better be careful about what we watch on television. Did you know that God's there with you? That's why we better be careful about what we listen to as far as music's concerned. Uh, uh, ask a question. Would you play the music you play if Jesus were sitting in your living room? Would you play the music you play on your radio if Jesus Christ were sitting in the passenger side of your car or your truck or, or your work vehicle? Would you play that same music if Jesus were sitting there? You say, good gracious preacher, no way. I'd be so embarrassed. I wouldn't know what to do. Let me tell you something, brother. He is closer than the passenger seat. Because the Bible says when you get saved that God's Holy Spirit literally takes up residence in your body. Now you say, is that big? I'll tell you why it's big here in just a little while. Uh, he, he is closer than we think. Now, turn back just a few pages and look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and look at verse number 16. The Bible says, know ye not. 1 Corinthians 3 verse 16. Know ye not that ye are the temple of God. And that the Spirit of God dwelleth, what's it say? Where does he dwell? In you. The Spirit of God dwelleth in you. Listen, church, it's, it, it's, it's when the Spirit of God moves in, he begins to make a change. 
That's why people, sometimes people get the cart before the horse. And so occasionally we'll be out visiting or we'll be preaching or giving an invitation or something like that. And somebody will say, preacher, I'm going to get saved. I'm going to get saved. I want to get saved. I'm going to get saved. Preacher, one of these days when I get my life straightened out and uh, preacher, one of these days when I quit my drinking, preacher, one of these days when, when I get everything right and, and I turn over a new leaf, preacher, uh, boy, I want to do that. And as soon as I do that, I'm going to get saved. But wait, that's getting the cart before the horse. Because, see, you don't, you don't make the change and then bring Jesus in. You bring Jesus in and Jesus begins to make the change. Is that right? Amen, that's right. And so uh, don't expect there to be a great change until the Spirit of God moves in and takes up residence in your body. Now, uh, someone says, Preacher, but I've got some strongholds and I, I've got some things, you know, that I'm, I'm ashamed about. Well, I'm glad that, you know what, the Spirit of God can change your warner and the Spirit of God can change your liker and uh, the things that you used to like, man, he can change that. And the things I used to do, I don't do them anymore. And the place I used to go, I don't go there anymore. And the things I used to say, I don't say them anymore. Why? There's been a great change since I've been born again. And, and I used this illustration not long ago, and, and so it's sort of a common illustration. But several, several, several months ago, my wife and I remodeled our master bathroom. And, uh, uh, and, and I, I mean, I think it's beautiful. It's probably not beautiful compared to some of y'all's, but I think it's beautiful. Uh, but I thought about this. You know, it wasn't enough just to know about a contractor. Now, we knew about a contractor, but did you know that we, we were knowledgeable about the contractor, but our bathroom never changed? It, it, it wasn't enough to pick out the colors, and that was a task all in itself. I, I, brother, you know. Uh, and honey, you like this one? I don't know. You like this one? I don't know. And, uh, uh, but it wasn't enough to pick out the colors. It, it, wasn't enough to, it wasn't enough even to have deliveries made to the house. Now, this is my point. Nothing changed until the contractor came into our home. And when the contractor, when we gave him invitation and we unlocked our doors and we invited a contractor to come into our home and said, you do what you need to do and you break anything you need to break or you change anything you need to change. And, uh, and that contractor came in and started busting things up and tearing things out and taking things out. And guess what? All of a sudden, a change started taking place. And, and brother, did you know that I just described what takes place during salvation? When, you're, when you invite Christ into your heart and life, he sends his Holy Spirit and God's Holy Spirit comes to, to take up residence in your body and he begins to, begins to change things and begins to to break things and begins to take things out. And, and by the way, if that change never took place in your life, then you better check up. And you better make sure that, brother, you let the contractor come in. And, and by the way, I want to tell you what, buddy. Uh, you know what? <laughs> oh, boy. And it's humorous. When we first started the process, I told my wife, I said, we'll just do it. We'll do it. We'll do it. That wallpaper had been on there for a while, man. I mean, and, and I said, you know, we'll just, I'll take the wallpaper off. And, and so she, she was gone one day, and I thought, I'm going to go in there and take that wallpaper off. Brother, I mean to tell you, I made the worst mess you've ever seen in your life. It was a wreck. You know what? But when I let that contractor come in, boy, he made everything nice and beautiful. And that's what Jesus does. You know, as long as we try to do it ourselves, we make a mess. And, but man, if we'll, just, if we'll just let go and let God and let God come in, let the Spirit of God come in, it's amazing how he'll make a difference. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 
In verse 17, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And so the Holy Spirit has always existed. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit came upon the righteous. In the New Testament, the Holy Spirit indwells the righteous. Let me give you just a couple other things. Just I just have the points and the verses. How about this? Now, number four, the Holy Spirit convicts men of sin. Now, John 16, verse 8. Look over there real quickly. John chapter 16. In your Bibles, Gospel of John chapter 16, verse number 8. Notice what our Bible teaches us about the Holy Spirit. John 16, verse 8, the Bible says, and of course, again, our Lord is instructing his disciples here, and he says in verse number 8, and when he has come, talking about the Spirit of God, when that wind comes, that breath comes, when he has come, he will reprove the world of what? sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Now, uh, you ever wonder why you ever wonder why people just have such a disdain for the for the church? You ever wonder why people you know there's something about the church. You know, why is it why is it that people people don't mind staying home and watching religious programming on television? Sometimes people don't mind going to a singing. You know that? Uh, people don't mind watching some kind of religious movie at home sometimes. But there's something about the church that people shy away from. Can I tell you why? Because in within the church, a lot of times, uh, the Spirit of God is there and the Holy Spirit is responsible for conviction. And boy, people... Uh, people don't like that conviction. They don't want to come to a place where they're, where they're convicted about their sin. And I tell our folks around here all the time, conviction is not a bad thing. Conviction is a good thing. And if you're convicted, you know what that means? That means, thank God, he's still working on you. And he hasn't left you alone. <laughs> Man, thank God, he's willing to still bring you in and save you. And he's still willing to work in your life. Uh, but the Holy Spirit convicts men of sin. Listen, that's exactly why. You know what? That's exactly why. Yeah, you can go down here to City Hall and you can, you can, you can say, Muhammad, 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 Muhammad. Nobody cares. You can go down to the airport all day and go up to people and hand out little flowers and, and, uh, and little pamphlets and say, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna. And you know what? Nobody cares. You can chant Joseph Smith all day long or, or Buddha. But there's something about the name of Jesus. You know, now we'd like you to come give the closing benediction, but we ask you, please don't pray in the name of Jesus. Now, you know why? Conviction. Because connected to that name of Jesus is the Spirit of God. You can't separate them. Spirit of God. And, and by the way, connected to uh, the Spirit of God is that word right there. That's why people hate the Word of God. Because the Holy Spirit is responsible for conviction and he brings conviction into people's lives. How about this? Number five, the Holy Spirit convinces men of Scripture. Uh, look at John 16, verse 13. The Bible says, How be it when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all Truth, the Bible says. And so you've heard me say this, you've heard me say here recently, if you can't understand the Bible, get the Holy Spirit involved in it. He's the author. And so you can't expect, listen, the Bible says the natural man receiveth not the things of God, supernatural things. And so uh, if you're having a problem understanding the Bible, oh, listen, before you get in the Bible every day, and I do this as far as I know every single day before I get in my Bible, I get on my knees and I say, Lord, teach me. Lord, show me. 
Holy Spirit, I yield myself to you. I ask you to teach me. I ask you to guide me. I ask you to instruct me. I ask you to cleanse me. I ask you to convict me if you need to. you, You show me where to read and teach me your Bible. Listen, why? Because it is the Spirit of God that convinces men of Scripture. And so we need the Holy Spirit to to teach us the Word of God. Hey, how about this? Number six. The Holy Spirit compels men to glorify Christ. Now, important, you better know it. Now again, look back at our scripture, John chapter 16, and look at verse number 13. The Bible says, how be it when he, the Spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth. Watch now, watch now. For he shall not speak of himself. But whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. Look at verse 14. Jesus said, he, talking about the Spirit of God, he shall glorify me. For he shall receive of mine and shall show it unto you. Now, I'm gonna tell you something about these churches that all they ever talk about is Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost, 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 Holy Ghost. I want to tell you what, somewhere along the line, there's a problem somewhere. You know why? Because Jesus said, when I send the comforter, when I send that wind, when I send the Holy Spirit, he is going to testify of me. He's not going to speak of himself. He doesn't want glory to himself. Uh, He wants that glory to come to me. He wants that glory to come to the Lord Jesus Christ. And so the Holy Spirit uh, compels men to glorify Christ. Now, this is super important. So number one, the Holy Spirit has always existed. There's never been a time when he hasn't existed. Number two, in the the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit came upon the righteous. In the New Testament, the Holy Spirit indwells the righteous. The Holy Spirit convicts men of sin. The Holy Spirit convinces men of Scripture. The Holy Spirit compels men to glorify Christ. But here tonight, at least with our study, is the most important part. The Holy Spirit can be grieved. The Spirit of God can be grieved. Now, we're talking about that wind, that air. The Holy Spirit can be grieved. Now, take your Bibles tonight, and we're we're almost done, and turn over to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, and look at verse number 29. Oh, listen, if you hadn't heard anything else I've said tonight, don't miss this, because this is the most important part of the message tonight. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse number 29. I'll tell you what let's do. Let's read it together. Ephesians 4 verse 29. Ready? Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. Now, please read with me verse number 30 and listen to what you're reading. Ready? And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Listen, all these six things are important, but I want you to understand the seventh, and that is this, that the Holy Spirit can be grieved. When we willfully sin, and when we continue in sin, it grieves the Holy Ghost. Now, you say, uh, preacher, is that uh, important? It is, I'll tell you why. Because what that does in essence is this, it stops the wind. It cuts off the air supply. I thought about this. A sailboat was created to move with the wind, but it cannot maneuver without the wind. How about this? A kite 
is made to fly. You ever tried to fly a kite on a day when there's no wind? You'll do a lot of running and you'll get good exercise. But chances are you'll never get that kite in the, in the sky. You know why? Because a kite needs wind to fly. Did you know tonight a fire, a fire cannot burn without the wind? It cannot burn without, without air. And one of, listen, one of the best ways to quench a fire is to starve it of air. Now, now listen to me, church. Listen to me now. One of the best ways to, to quench a fire is to starve it of wind and air and oxygen. If you have a, listen, if you have a, 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 a pan fire, you've got a pan on the, uh, on the stove and that thing gets too hot and it catches on fire. Well, this happened several years ago when we were on vacation and the kids went ahead of us and they were there in the condo and we, we hadn't got there yet and they were making French fries. Is that right? You're making French fries. And they had that grease going. I don't know what they was doing. Wasn't paying attention, watching a basketball game or something. I, don't, I can't remember. But that grease got hot. And man, that thing caught on fire. Now, you know, you know what, our, what our first response is, is to get it off the stove and to move it. And that's what Zach did and got severe burns. I mean, he grabbed that pan and pulled it off and grease went everywhere. And I, now everything else is on fire, amen? And uh, not just the pan and burnt him pretty bad. And uh, now wait a minute now. Whenever you've got that going on, you know what they tell us the best thing to do is if you can get a lid. If you can slide a lid on that pan. Now you say, what's that do? Kills the oxygen. And a fire cannot burn without oxygen. Or they, or, or they tell you this. They tell you to get a wet towel. I mean, that pan's burning. If you can get a wet towel and you take that towel and you throw that towel over that pan. Now, why, why preacher, kills the oxygen? Cuts off, it cuts off the air supply. Or you can take some flour or, or uh, salt or something like that. And if you can get enough flour on top of that flame, that flame will stop burning. Why? Because it kills, it kills the oxygen. Wait a minute now. You say, preacher, what in the world has this got to do with anything? Listen, I just described to you tonight why so many Christians' fires are going out. I just explained why there's no more shout, there's no more amen, there's no more glory. The choir doesn't do it for them anymore. They're not excited about preaching anymore. They're not excited about church anymore. There used to be a time when they were fired up for the cause of Christ and God was doing something in their life and they loved the word of God and they loved prayer and they loved walking with Jesus and they loved bus routes and they loved reaching people with, amen, reaching people uh, uh, with the gospel. But all of a sudden something happened. I'll tell you what happened. They cut the air out. When they grieved the Spirit of God, they, they, they quenched that wind. They quenched that breath. They, they stifled that oxygen and a fire, cannot, a fire cannot burn without breath and without oxygen. Now you say, preacher, what are, you, what are you trying to say? I'm trying to say as Christians, it's important that we stay yielded to the Holy Spirit and allow him to work in our life every single day. Listen, how often do you yield yourself to the Spirit of God? Personally, I believe, you know, I, this is me, but I personally, I believe you ought to yield yourself to the Holy Spirit many times a day. Man, first thing, first thing in the morning before I do anything, before I kiss my wife, before I brush my teeth, before we even think about fixing breakfast, before I do anything, I mean, brother, when my feet hit the floor, I have a place I go. And I get on my knees and I say, Lord, 
Thank you for safety. Thank you for a good night's rest. Thank you for this day of life. Help us to live it for your glory. I yield myself to you. I ask you to control me and guide me and teach me and lead me and direct me in the work today. And show me what you want me to do and show me where you want me to go. And, and wait a minute now, every day, every day I do that first thing. And then throughout the day, I do that. And uh, I listen, many times I'll walk into my study uh, a, a day, but a lot of times I'll, before, I do, before I, I do anything else, I'll stop and I'll say, now, Lord, you guide me. And Lord, teach me and show me. And Lord, help Jesus to get glory from all what, what's done today. And, and you, you teach me and show me and direct me and, and give me knowledge and understanding. It's important that we yield to the Holy Spirit. It's important we beg the Spirit of God to work in our life to keep our fire burning. Now, church, this is all I'm saying. If you'll supply your fire with fuel, and what's fuel, preacher? That's fuel right there. The Word of God. If you'll supply your fire with fuel and supply your fire with wind, Spirit of God, let me tell you something. Your fire will continue to burn. I won't have to worry about you. And by the way, I'm, I guess, you know, I, I mean, I guess I'm glad I can do it, I guess. But, you know, there are some people I'm constantly having to prop them up. You okay? You okay? Oh, bless your heart. Let me pray for you. Get up, brother. It's okay. Get up, sister. It's okay. Keep, keep on going. Keep on going. Keep on going. Oh, you're depressed again. Get up. Come on. Get up now. Wait a minute now. If you do these two things we talked about tonight, you know what? We won't have to do that constantly. That fire will keep on burning. Hey, brother, according to the authority of God's word, it'll keep on burning. Interesting story. I've never been there, but it's Centralia, Pennsylvania. And they said that, uh, that someone went out to the local landfill and they were burning some trash, just a simple, simple act. They were burning some trash in the local landfill and not far from the landfill was a coal mine. And an ember from that trash made its way into the coal mine and it caught the coal on fire. Did you know that fire has been burning since 1962? Still burning to this day. They call it a coal seam fire. It's constantly burning underground. And I read the story and this is what experts say. As long as there's coal to burn and sufficient air, that fire will never go out. Now, that's a good lesson for us tonight. As long as there's enough coal and sufficient air, that fire will never go out. Well, I want to tell you what, buddy. I got plenty of coal tonight. It'll never run out. And that wind, he'll be around forever. Do you know that? We got to get him involved in our life tonight. Let's bow our heads this evening. Father, thank you so much for this time we've had together tonight. And Lord, I pray that you'll help us to keep our fires burning. Oh God, help us not to let our fire go out. God, please. And Lord, it seems like so many today, so many today, so many Christians are falling by the wayside Lord, really saved, but just, Lord, they're, they're, they're not excited anymore. They've lost their shout. They've lost their burden.
God, the fire's gone out. Maybe there's even some here tonight, Lord. Maybe the fire's not gone, but it's flickering. Now, Lord, maybe the fire's not gone, but it's smoldering tonight. And God, tonight I pray that you'd help us to have some folks at Calvary who'd say, I'm going to fuel that fire with the Word of God, and I'm going to fan that flame with the Spirit of God, and I'm going to be yielded to Him, and I'm going to ask Him to have a part in my life and to control me and to guide me and to lead me and lead our family, lead our home. And so, Lord, I pray that you'll have your way tonight. I pray you'll, Lord, I feel like we probably need to have just a moment of invitation tonight. And maybe there's some folks that need to come and just kneel down here at this altar tonight and do business with thee. And so, Father, have your way, please. And we thank you in Jesus' name. And let's all stand tonight. Our heads are bowed. Our eyes are closed tonight. And I appreciate you being here. Listen, if you need to come, the altar's open this evening. The altar's open. Oh, listen, are you yielded to the Holy Spirit? Is he working in your life? Does he have liberty to work in your life? Man, he, listen, he ought to have access to everything. He ought to have access to our job, access to our marriage. He ought to have access in our dating life. He ought to have access to our finances, our business, our ministry. Holy Spirit, work in my life. Make of me a new creature. Lord, fan that flame. Send that wind. We'll pause just for a moment. If you need to join these during the altar tonight, listen, you come tonight while we wait.